Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. In this episode, Celeste talks us through the arrival of her beautiful boy through a planned induction and emergency C-section. On reflection, she feels it sounds somewhat scary on paper, but at the time, the experience managed to remain positive thanks to the trusted and empowering medical and support team that she had surrounded herself with. Celeste reveals her journey with sickness, the details of and reasons for her emergency C-section, as well as what recovery looked like for her. Feeding was complicated and Celeste reflects on the fact that the most supposedly natural of things can be surprisingly unintuitive. Celeste's story is a reminder that a medical first preparation and planned induction can provide huge reassurance and peace of mind going into the daunting experience that is birth for the first time. Hello Celeste, thank you for coming. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Really well, thank you. We're so thrilled to have you here and thank you for taking the time. We always start with the same question. Please could you tell us your name, your age, where you're from, what you do in life and tell us about your wonderful family. So I'm Celeste, I'm 31. Um, I'm originally from London, uh, living in Paris now. Uh, I'm a primary school teacher Mm. and my husband is John. And my little boy is Louis, and he is three months. Three months, wow. So you're still very much in the thick of it. Yes. (laughs) Can't wait to hear all about it. Can we start at the beginning? John is your husband. When did you meet? How did you meet? What's the beginning of your story together? So John and I actually met on a dating app Mm -hmm. um, about six years ago now. Um, and we've been together ever since, and we got engaged in 2019, and uh, we were supposed to get married in 2020, Mm. but COVID, uh, so we postponed until 2021, and we got married in London, and then the day after the wedding, we moved to Paris. The day after the wedding? So John had moved six months before, but because I'm a primary school teacher, I couldn't leave mid-year so he came to London for the wedding and then the day after we took the train to Paris. Wow so so not only did you move the day after the Mm. wedding but he wasn't in the same city as you for the build-up to the wedding. And also uh, five days before uh, the UK said France people from France couldn't come in uh, to London and John was still in Paris because he was working on a big deal here so he had to quickly they gave a kind of 24-hour warning. Oh, my So goodness. he had to rush. And there was lots of jokes in my family about, we're going to have a great wedding, whether or not the groom is here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but he made it. And uh, luckily, the wedding was not a super spreader event, which is Thank what we goodness. were very worried about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of, even now, it's hard to remember back. But it was yeah. so stressful. That yeah. must have been really stressful for and you. I think the rules in England lifted, like... We were the first weekend, the first free weekend, and we'd held our nerve. We decided we're just going to kind of hold our nerve and see what happens. And so it was the best party ever because it was the first party anyone had been to 
in 18 months and there was 200 people there <gasps> and now I look back and I'm like god that was quite bold <laughs> like the first free weekend everyone must have needed to yeah. just let loose yeah yeah so well well done yes. you two for to sticking for yes. sticking it out yeah and for John yeah. for making it back yeah, so Goodness. that's our kind of relationship wedding story. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then, so you got married 2021. Yeah. So did you um, did you know you wanted to get pregnant yeah. fairly soon? Like, I you know, where we were you? got engaged uh, and we were supposed to get married in 2020, we'd kind of thought, let's have one year of being married. Mm-hmm. This was before COVID. One year of being married and kind of travel a lot um, and be like, a free married couple mm-hmm. um but then because our wedding was postponed by a year I think we decided that you know I was turning 30 that like maybe we should just start trying mm-hmm. because you just never know mm. um and then so we got married in July 2021 and I got pregnant in October 2021 okay wow so, so it happened quick. like pretty quickly to be honest yeah um which was great um because I had always worried that there could be a problem oh, not really? for any legitimate reason like there's yeah. no infertility like in my family or I don't have any close friends that have had issues but you just hear a lot about it yeah um so we were really lucky that's um, wonderful yeah. so then you got pregnant with little Louie in yes. October yeah, so a year ago really a year yeah. ago so um how was pregnancy I mean did you what was the journey like yeah. that first first period did you have nausea what kind of symptoms Mm. were you getting so we'd been away in uh the south for a weekend Mm -hmm. last october and just on the drive home i suddenly felt sick and i've never had travel sickness car Mm. sickness and i just said to john i'm pregnant (laughs) and he was like what do you mean like what's like you're so crazy like how do you know and i was like i just know i've never felt like this before Wow. I just know. So we went home and I did like six tests <laughs> and um, they were all positive. Wow. And it was really early. We found out like, I think I was only three weeks or something. Wow. So you immediately yeah, felt I just it in knew. your body. I just immediately felt it. And um, we told our parents straight away mm-hmm. because I'm just really close with my mum. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine <clears throat> speaking to her and not every day and not saying that. Like it's yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and actually I didn't like I know for some people they find that really difficult but I felt like if anything God forbid did happen Mm. I would have shared it with them anyway yeah so I kind of took the approach that anyone that if I did have a miscarriage that I would tell I will tell those people I'm pregnant yeah rather than not having the support as well yeah exactly it's a hard thing to go through exactly and almost immediately after we did the test I felt really sick Mm mm-hmm like terrible I mean I was sick on the metro <laughs> way to work oh, were you? like sick in bins on the street um and I'm a teacher and I really really remember running out of lessons like you'll be fine kids I just got to go to the loo no. throwing up so because lots of people <clears throat> get the nausea but not mm. necessarily the vomiting yeah no full sick wow yeah. and so immediately then yeah. and sort of how regularly are we talking like I mean, and for I was, how long? For the first three months, I was sick almost every day. Wow. But some days were really bad. I don't know if it was that certain foods triggered it and I hadn't quite worked that out yet. Um, but some days, like, I'd wake up in the night to be sick. Wow. But actually, I actually quite felt very reassured by the sickness because everyone had sort of said that actually it means that you've got a lot of the hormone that means the baby's basically healthy. Yeah. So although it was miserable... 
because I'm such a worrier, I actually quite liked it. That's really Because it made me feel like there's definitely something going on in there. Yeah, it's so, not normal, your yes. body is changing, it's yeah. doing all the things it needs to. Yeah. That's a very positive way yeah. of looking at a lot of but sickness. I think <laughs> what I found really hard was that I'm usually very active and fit. I go to the gym a lot, I mm-hmm. run a lot, and I really like eating healthily. But for firstly, for those first four months, I really couldn't do anything yeah. physical. How did you carry on working? Because, I mean, a room full of children... It was really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, because um, we'd only just moved to Paris, I was luckily actually only working part-time. I just worked mm-hmm. in the mornings, mm-hmm. uh, which was really good because it meant that however bad it was, I knew at 12 mm-hmm. I could go home. Rest. Um, and rest. And I just had to eat a lot. Right. And that's something I also found really hard because mm. normally I'm quite sort of on top of what I'm eating and being healthy whereas that all had to go out the window right. because I just had to have like a granola bar or yeah. a bag of crisps or some bread or something in my bag and like to get me through lessons I'd have to just quickly like keep eating right so that was the strategy little and little and yes. often and it really helped with the nausea and the sickness okay yeah that's good to know and and was it I mean you said to, like mm. bread and granola mm. was it the brown stuff often it, people yes. say it's the brown stuff it was that helps. all carbs I couldn't yeah. have I still remember I made an um this like avocado pesto sauce mm. and I don't think I can ever eat an avocado oh, pasta no. thing again because I really remember it sort of in theory so fresh and delicious mm. but it just made me feel terrible like mm. anything fresh was really really disgusting to me but my doctor did give me some good anti-nausea um medication uh-huh. but it's quite complicated that because she said it's better not to take it all the time but if you really need it right you can so I was like is it better not to take it all the time because it's dangerous mm. for me or the baby and it's not it's just it would be better that you're not taking something the whole time. But I found that very stressful because I never quite understood... The risk. The risk. Yeah. Um, so I actually really tried not to and only ever took it if I was having a day, like a really bad sickness day, or I knew, like, I remember there was parents' evening and I knew I needed... To be functioning. To be functioning in front of parents. Also, no one at school knew yet. Oh, that's so difficult. Um, uh, and they were new colleagues. And they were new colleagues. Married. And it was quite a tough environment because I don't speak French. And mm. although it's a bilingual school, most of the staff are French. Mm. And a lot of them didn't speak English, didn't want to speak English. Mm. So it already felt quite different. Mm. And then you're feeling really dreadful. <laughs> Gosh, superwoman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, how did you do it? I know. You do it because you have to. Yeah. Which I think is true of all, to be honest, pregnancy, birth parenting yeah there's no choice you just have to get through it yeah and you do and you do and on those really terrible days Mm. when you took that medication Mm. would it would it nip it in the bud would it really work it really would um it really would work it wouldn't totally get rid of the nausea but it would really really um lessen the symptoms okay well that's good to know that if anyone needs it yeah Yeah, possibly something out there that could help yes yes so you had those really difficult first few months yes then what happened after that? Did you kind of get the nice um, supposed like yeah. lull in the middle where you felt great yeah. again? Um, or, you know, what happened after mm. those months and in the build-up? To be to honest, I was so excited when I got to three months. Yeah. And it was around just after Christmas, I think. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to like have this pregnancy glow. I can like get back into Pilates. But the sickness actually lasted well into at least four months Mm -hmm. and then it got a lot better but I'd still maybe 
once or twice a month have a day that was really bad mm. and I never quite got that I never got my groove in pregnancy to be honest mm. and that's something I found really hard I had sort of thought I'd be quite glowing and I just imagined mm. myself like bopping off to Pilates and feeling really great and empowered and mm. I actually never did mm. I felt like my body changed very quickly like mm. my boobs grew guess the hormones straight away mm. and I found that very hard because I suddenly felt really big even before I had a bump and so mm. I didn't even really look pregnant I just sort of felt huge right um so I never really got into a kind of swing of it with pregnancy yeah um yeah, I don't think I had that yeah. kind of glow. Almost, to be honest, closer to the end, I felt a bit better because I was just really pregnant. I looked really pregnant mm-hmm. and it was kind of nearer and it was more exciting preparing for it. Whereas I actually found that middle bit like, obviously I started getting things and getting things ready, but it felt too far away to sort of really be properly excited. 100% in. But I'm sort of still quite big and a little bit uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So I never loved it, which I did find quite hard, to be honest. And um, how was how was John in all of this? You know, was he um, kind of the dad's journey is different, yeah. especially through the pregnancy. You know, how was how was he at the time? How I mean, was he, he was supported? so excited and incredibly supportive, but he has a very full on job. Mm. Um, and I think because nothing was changing for him yet, mm. I think he was sort of just carrying on as normal when he was around he was amazing and I think to be honest he was quite like shocked at how unwell I was really for four months Mm. with the sickness and he was really I think his respect for me was like wow Mm. like thank you he I just really remember he was like thank you so much for doing this for us like you're literally being sick 24 7 like you feel miserable Mm. you're so uncomfortable you're so not yourself Mm. and you're doing this for us like it's amazing so he was really in awe of that which was really lovely yeah um but I think it was hard for him because I didn't think it really felt real for him um obviously when you go to a scan and you see the baby it is exciting but I still think it felt very far removed for him yeah and he couldn't really imagine it we don't really have many friends with children Mm -hmm. I mean his brother has a baby but they live in the US so we're not really around people with kids so it felt all very kind of abstract abstract exactly um but he was very supportive um and I think he was very keen to sort of make it easier you Mm -hmm. know anything he could do um to make it easier um, can you remember any instances of that particularly obviously the emotional support yeah. you know and just well, being like, there for you but... he hates shopping mm. hates it but one day he was like you feel so miserable in yourself let's just go shopping and buy some proper maternity clothes for you that make oh. you feel good and I it sounds like a small thing no. he absolutely hates going to any shop mm-hmm. he wouldn't really get the value in having kind of new clothes but he just knew that if I felt a little bit better every morning getting dressed it would make the whole thing that's very sweet which was really great and actually he was totally right like we went to a maternity shop and we got advice and I tried on probably a million things and that really helped it's transformative in your mindset Mm. isn't it as soon as you have something that fits properly of course it changes over time as well so you never I mean often I feel like you never quite no. feel right in your skin no. because clearly you're in constant evolution yeah. but just something that makes you feel nice 
just that every day mm. even like a good fitting bra yes. I mean I feel is game changing yeah. because you suddenly feel like oh, my, all yeah. of my clothes yes. fit better if I have a good fitting bra for example yeah. and even things like my feet really weirdly got really big literally after two months really and lots of my shoes they fit but they were tied and they were mm. uncomfortable and even like I realised I'm so stupid just go and get a pair of shoes yeah. that properly fit yeah. and like it's like the bra so it sounds like such a small thing yeah but you're already feeling quite not yourself and uncomfortable. Yeah. So having these things that make it yeah. feel a little bit more kind of normal. And make you feel more yourself. Yes. And so then kind of getting towards <clears throat> the birth, did you kind of do any specific preparation mm. for it? Did you find anything that was particularly useful or helped you get into the right mindset? Mm. Um, how did you prefer? For it. So because I'm quite an anxious person, particularly about health things, I knew that I really wanted to be um, very prepared from a kind of... I wanted to know all the facts mm-hmm. about like, what was available to me to make it safer, better, whatever. So I spoke to my doctor a lot about um, really him just reassuring me that it will be totally fine and I'm in great hands and even if something really bad happens you're in the best place for it so speaking to him a lot and then I did a course actually because I don't speak French I did a course in London with a place called Bundle Baby that a friend of mine had done um and normally their group classes where you meet other mums they put you together with people it's a bit like a private NCT kind of thing I think mm-hmm. they put you with people that are due around the same time as you um but because us meeting new mums in London wasn't relevant I actually did them one-to-one so I went to London for two weeks during the holidays and it was really great. I mean, it was skewed to the um, how birth is in the UK. So there's obviously some differences in terms of like just the way they do things. Mm-hmm. But we had a class on kind of your last few weeks before you have the baby, how to know when you should go to the hospital, uh, sort of pre-labor, labor, kind mm-hmm. of the first few hours and days, a breastfeeding one. I did a like a pediatric first aid course Mm. um I did a kind of taking care of your baby course Mm. which is literally like changing how to change nappies Mm. and I found the labor preparation um one very good because it just kind of laid out what you should ask for Mm -hmm. so kind of the right things you know there's no you can have an epidural you can also have a walking epidural you can have no pain relief at what stage should you if you want to have an epidural should you what is a good time to have it Mm -hmm. so I found that not very useful but I made an active decision not to go down the kind of hypnobirthing Mm -hmm. route because I just knew I would hate that Mm -hmm. I just knew it wasn't going to be for me I knew that I wanted to have an epidural and that I wanted it to be that to be the, a more sort of medical I suppose route yeah so I didn't actually do any hypnobirthing I did some sort of prenatal yoga in terms mm-hmm. of breathing um but I actually for quite an anxious person once I was reassured that I really trusted my doctor and the hospital and the midwives I actually really didn't worry about labor that's great which my mum still laughs because she's like Celeste you worry about everything <laughs> but for some reason you weren't worried about labour I think it was because I just knew it had to come out yeah. like Louis had to come out yeah. in a way it's, there was no point worrying because mm. I, I mean I have to give birth it's a reality it's a reality I really loved my doctor I really trusted him and I just thought 
you'll be fine. And how did you find this doctor? Because it really sounds mm. like he provided a, or she, sorry, provided yeah, a really, um, yeah, great, great yeah. trusted voice and role in yeah. all of this and helping you get to that really positive place. So, um, through my GP in Paris, who's sort of like an expat GP because she's Canadian, mm-hmm. um, so she tends to see all basically expats who want um, English-speaking doctors. Yeah. Um, and she's near us and she said if you can get in with Professor Veal like you'll get in get there, in there. <laughs> and because I found out I was pregnant so early I went to her when I was like four weeks or something so she could get me in with him and um, I met him very early um, for an appointment and I just immediately really liked him mm. um, he's a bit older he worked in London for a long time mm-hmm. um, and there was just something about him that was very calm Mm. um and I really liked that he was open to all types of births so the first question he had was like what how do you want this to go to go and he said I will tell you what I think along the way is the safest kind of best what I would do if it was my daughter my wife my sister whatever but it is up to you to sort of tell me and I felt there was absolutely no judgment mm. at all with him. Um, like, for example, I said to him quite early, I'm someone that I hate weighing myself. Mm-hmm. I find it just very stressful, and I always have. Mm-hmm. And I know that at some points you will have to for your records, but I don't really want it to be a thing, mm-hmm. and I don't want to know about it. He was like, that's totally fine, I understand that. I'll weigh you without you knowing the Perfect. weight, and if there's ever any problem, yeah, then we can talk about it, but it's not going to be... A feature so he said that to his midwives and nurses that's wonderful which, so not only him but yeah. to his team as well yeah because i think their instinct is to kind of just because it's part of the checks i'm not saying it's wrong to weigh no but i found enough in pregnancy with stress where we really didn't want that an as well. additional thing weighing on yeah. The mind, yeah and he was just so understanding of all of those sorts of things it's really important to find that mm. voice or that team yeah. around you that's supporting and empowering yeah. rather than yeah. judgment Exactly, and sort of criticism or opinions. Yeah. And we had quite a lot of travel in my pregnancy just for friends' weddings and different holidays because our family don't live here. We were going back to London a lot, America, to see our siblings. And I asked him at the beginning, like, is there any genuine risk with travelling? How late can I go? And he said, look, you see me every month. Yeah. I will do a full check and you tell me what you've got planned. And if I ever think that for any reason like it wouldn't be a good idea I'll just tell you yeah. if you're having a healthy pregnancy you can travel really close until the end the only thing I'd say is that for the last month you only go somewhere where there's good hospitals nearby yeah just, like, in, just case. in case and I found that really reassuring because you know when you kind of look online there's very mixed like oh, there's all sorts yeah like you shouldn't travel at all it's so dangerous to be on a plane yeah. it's so you know um and people are quite judgmental about it. Like, yeah. gosh, I can't believe you're traveling at this stage or you're going here, you're going there. It feels like that's one of the biggest minefields to get through during pregnancy is that essentially any question that you have and you put into Google, there is every spectrum of opinion out there mm-hmm. that can either feed your anxieties or maybe reassure you, mm-hmm. but actually there is every single opinion in the world and ha- Whose do you listen to? And ultimately, it has to be your own mm. instinct and voice. But ideally, you want someone like him mm. being that trusted, that one trusted mm. voice that you buy into 
and ignore everything else it's just quite hard to get there isn't it to kind yeah. of pick your way through all of the yes. and I also found I would just find the thing the answer that suited what I wanted yeah. because there's every option you'd be like okay well actually that one says yeah. it's totally fine to travel and be like well that's great and so well that really isn't shouldn't be the way yeah you make decisions where's the objectivity yes. in all of this because all I was looking at was the ones that kind of supported what I wanted to hear yeah which isn't really a very good way of doing it I love what you said about trying to just get yourself really informed and equipped mm. um, so you had your your sort of effective sort of smaller group oh. NCT class, uh, classes that you'd sort of uh, prepared in London um, was there anything you read particularly that um, I that read helped? Um, the Emily Oster book which I think you also read Expecting Better which yes. really helped me in pregnancy to actually kind of just what we were saying about googling things helped me really kind of sort out what's absolute nonsense what's the actual scientific facts and data here right that I need to know so that really helped me with pregnancy reading that um and I think what should we the way she talks about labor is you need to be informed of the different things and ultimately you need to make a decision and she said things like you know if you do choose for an elective c-section that actually isn't necessarily bad at all mm-hmm. and if that's going to make your birth experience more positive then that's right for you right for you yeah and if you've got a good doctor and that I found really helpful I completely agree with that book yeah. actually because um I also struggled to sift through all of mm. these opinions and and I kept just asking for the, what the facts were to yeah. be honest and and it's amazing how difficult mm. it is to just find the facts yeah and what she does in her book so wonderfully is I guess it's a kind of meta-analysis mm. she she takes a topic say I don't know um you know nutrition mm. and pregnancy and then talks about all of the results kind of summarizes all of the results from all of the medical papers mm. on that topic yeah. presents you with the information so that you can then make mm. your own judgment she's not trying to give you a yeah. judgment which most sources seem to want to do well, um yeah most things you read are very skewed to that particular author's opinion yeah. and i'm not saying that's necessarily wrong that might be right for you but it doesn't help you make your own decision. Yeah, um, to feel empowered about yeah. the risks and the benefits mm. so that I can then yeah. say, okay, this is what I'm comfortable yeah. with and this is what... Mm. Because no no person, no mother, no pregnant woman is the same. No. You know, there are going to be things mm. that worry you more than others and no one's going to make the same yeah. decisions. No, and I think also uh, have I felt like I had a very open dialogue with my doctor and I just saw him a lot. I had an appointment with him every four or five weeks, mm-hmm. which meant that there was never too long kind of in between appointments if I had a question or yeah. anything and I my GP was also very involved so I'd see her if I ever had any um sort of problems and like I in May so Louis was born in early July in May I had just I felt really tired to be honest both physically and mentally I felt incredibly drained mm. um and I just felt like I wasn't able to carry on working mm. and I just phoned actually my GP and said look I don't know what do you think about it like is it better she said look the most important thing for these last two months is that you're kind of calm happy yeah rested mm. physically well and it sounds like at the moment you aren't able to like your job is quite physical yeah it's you know it's a lot um and so they spoke to my school and I ended up being signed off work Mm. which actually I'd never thought I would be that person I kind of imagined myself like right up until the day 
Oh, really? We had the baby, like, I'm going to be, like, so energetic, it's going to be fine. And that was honestly the best thing for me because it just gave me two months of real kind of quiet. Yeah. To really just rest and kind of, to be honest, be a bit indulgent of myself. Yeah. And just kind of um, enjoy the quiet time, really prepare, take time to look after myself. Yeah. Um, and I actually had very low iron in my pregnancy and I had two um, iron infusions. Okay. Which is, I mean, they were completely life-changing in my pregnancy. Really? So you go to the hospital and they give you basically a drip. You go for, I think, three hours I was there and they a drip of iron. And it gives you so much more energy. Oh, wow. So I've I had, heard of yeah. those. So I think actually my doctor's very keen on them. Um, so I think any low iron, he doesn't bother with um, iron supplements because he says that I think pregnant women, it's harder for them to absorb the iron in their blood something about pregnancy makes that a bit trickier oh, I think interesting. Um, and it gives you so much more energy so I had one sort of halfway through my second trimester and then one kind of three weeks before I had Louis three okay. or four weeks before I had Louis um, and that's what I mean about the doctor being very all-encompassing like yeah. I did a lot of blood tests with him so he'd always be looking at like what's going on how are you feeling globally yeah and after those iron infusions did you come away just feeling like a new person yeah wow so much energy wow and that was something he recommended was it yeah did you know about that i never knew about it beforehand i know that pregnant women can be a bit low in iron yeah um and actually in the first trimester my gp had said why don't you take i've been taking um iron supplements um but my iron levels weren't going up and they Mm. were staying really really low um so i actually didn't know about it before um, that's a great pointer but it was great and also those iron tablets they can also affect your digestion mm. slow your digestion you can feel yeah. quite rough and they can actually make you feel a bit ill yeah. on them so that's well. why actually Professor Phil isn't very keen on them for pregnant women he feels yeah. like you've got enough yeah. going on in that sense yes, to do <laughs> you really it. don't need to add to that wow so then okay you had those iron infusions mm. you that I mean it's great that you recognise that mm. you just needed the rest and mm. the time for yourself before the birth because mm. clearly you know you've got to be ready mm. for the day and then most importantly yeah. what comes afterwards yeah. so in those last couple of months um, you know getting towards the birth itself mm. um, you you were feeling more rested mm. how did how did the well how did the birth go mm. I mean did you did you have any big expectations mm. about the birth um that you know you wanted it to go a certain mm. way um and then what actually happened so I on the think, day I think quite unusually I didn't actually have many expectations of it I wasn't ever someone and I'm not sure why this is that particularly cared about having a very kind of beautiful calm like I just never I I think I just maybe was a bit realistic and was like Mm. I don't think it's going to be like that and I don't really mind I just want it to be safe yeah that was my overriding feeling the whole time so I did um I had some midwife appointments here where the midwife came to my house to kind of talk through the different options yeah um which was really helpful again and she knew the kind of French system so she could kind of say these are the questions they'll probably ask you uh, when you go in. And I was actually induced at 39 weeks. Okay. Because my doctor, um, he's done this big study where he believes that um, births are kind of, is better to have it at 39 weeks Mm -hmm. um, births. And he's got a whole lot of research about it. So actually when I first saw him, he said, I think it's really positive to um, have the baby at 39 weeks yeah. and he gave me all of his research yeah. and resources and said there's no rush you let me know what you think and I'm happy to 
do it or not. Okay, yeah. Um, and actually my mum, three of my siblings were induced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because of that, I felt very comfortable with it. Yeah. They, they were all induced at 39 weeks, actually. So she, so I felt very comfortable with that yeah. kind of decision. So you decided um, to do that. So I decided so then you to do that. you knew that you were going to be induced yes. on the 39th week. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I knew it was going to be the 6th of July. I mean, obviously he could, he could have come... Um, before earlier yeah but assuming he didn't um and so the way it worked was on the night before so the fifth I went in sort of actually it was lunchtime before they put a little kind of balloon inside up into your cervix that's supposed to slightly sort of open it in a more natural way um and then uh that sort of triggers kind of mini contractions Mm -hmm. that sort of they said it would feel like period pains but actually it felt they were really painful so they sent you home and they gave you um some sort of basically period pain relief to help with the pain um Mm -hmm. and they were really painful right and I remember calling my mum and I was like if this is just the beginning oh my goodness what's tomorrow going to be like right um but actually as the day went on they got a bit better and I took some medicine and John was had a really busy day at work because oh. we always knew it was going to be the sick. There was no need for John to sort of slow down. Yeah, but I mean, obviously it could have come before, but he was, and I agreed with this. I was like, save the time for afterwards. There's no yeah. point you being kind of hanging around with me. Um, but we'd actually moved house four days before. Oh my goodness! So I really remember <laughs> I had this the little balloon on my cervix. I was at home and I had the movers putting paintings on the wall. Oh my goodness! And I was like bent over in pain. And actually, the doc, Professor Veal had said it's actually better to try and walk around as much as you can that day. Oh um, so that was actually, the, to be honest, that was the worst part of the whole thing. I had sort of an afternoon and the evening at home in a lot of pain. Wow, trying to deal with that trying and to no deal privacy with it. either. I know, no privacy. Um, but then I managed to have a good night's sleep. Okay. And uh, our appointment, I suppose, for the induction was at 6am. Okay. So we got up and it, it felt quite surreal, sort of, we knew that date really early on. We always knew we'd be going in at 6am on the 6th. Yeah. Um, so I really remember in the taxi on the way there, it was like, wow, okay, because at this point I didn't have any contractions yet. Right. They had kind of all gone from the night before, the sort of mini contractions from the, um, we were going in and it was like, wow, sort of didn't really f- feel real. Right. Like we were just going to another appointment because yeah. all of our appointments had been in the hospital. We were just going back to the, to same, the, place. To the same place. Yeah, same people, same yeah. place, right. So then we got to the hospital and it was already calm because it was first thing in the morning, the hospital was super quiet. Uh, and they got us set up in our room and it was very comfortable. And then at that point, there are sort of two options with induction. You can either have your waters broken and then they give you the sort of induction medication, which is like a, it's like a drip that okay. induces labour. Um, and the breaking your waters can mean that contractions start quite quickly and um they can come on quite suddenly mm-hmm. um but I wanted that because I sort of thought we're here now I'd rather just like let's get going crack on crack on we're having the induction so let's just kind of let's just get going so they did that so they did the uh, they break waters, waters first. first okay yeah so they let us get settled in the room they did the waters they checked actually so they took the little balloon out okay they checked how much it had sort of opened my cervix and if it had worked and actually didn't work that well for me I think they said some women it can literally get them literally like eight centimeters dilated wow. and they have a couple of hours and they're good to go but I think that's much more unusual with your first mm. um, baby okay so then that's when they said I think probably we should 
our recommendation would be to break your waters. Okay. And um, how do they do that? What does that so mean? They literally, with a needle, oh. like as like very basic. Right. They literally just a really long needle, just pop it up, and it was uncomfortable but not terrible. Right, because that sounds terrifying. Yeah. And but... when she showed me the thing, I was like, "All oh, right, okay, so we're, oh. we're just gonna literally like popping a balloon." She was right. like, "Yep." Okay. <laughs> but in reality... I mean, it was really uncomfortable, but it was very quick. Okay. So okay. it was actually completely fine. Okay. Um, and then... It just looked scary. It just looked quite scary. Right, okay. <laughs> and kind of a bit undignified somehow, this kind of big kind of needle. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah. Um, and then they they waited for, I think, about an hour. Uh-huh. And then they said, uh, shall we start... Are you ready to start the induction medication? Because actually the breaking my waters hadn't triggered labour. Okay. Um, and I said yes. So then, then it was to be honest very relaxed. John and I were just hanging out um, in our room because they popped the IV in. They popped the IV in that hadn't sort of started working yet. It hadn't triggered any contractions yet. So we were just relaxing, and I wasn't in pain at this point. Okay. Um, so we what just, time are we around? Probably around seven, eight a.m. Okay, so still quite quickly yeah. since you've gone in. Yeah, and we're just kind of. We watched a lot of TV. Yeah. <laughs> and nice. we downloaded a lot on our iPad. What did you watch? Um, we watched Superstore. Okay. I'd really recommend it because it's very silly, <laughs> um, which is exactly what we needed. You want the good, happy yes. hormones. Very stupid. Okay. Um, and then contraction slowly started. Um, sorry, and then Professor Veal at about eight, he came in to see me. So until this point, it had been all the midwives. Okay. Then he came in to see me to sort of check. Um, and I was very happy to see him. And he's a very suave guy. Like, he's always in the most amazing... I've never seen him wear the same thing twice. He's always in the most amazing suits. And he's quite a joker. And he was like, I'm wearing this beautiful blue linen three-piece suit just for you today. (gasps) Oh, wow. I was like, I mean, I know that that's a lie. (laughs) But I really like that. Yeah. Um, And so he was like, everything looks good. And he, he was quite honest and said, look, I don't actually think the induction has sort of worked so far and that you're still hasn't sort of triggered labour in the way right. um, we had kind of hoped that the balloon the night before would have triggered. Yeah. The sort of theory is that hopefully that balloon triggers it so much so that you don't even need the, the other things. The other things. Okay. And that didn't happen. Okay. Um, so when did it really ramp up then? So at about nine, I think I started getting contractions, but I actually was amazed that I, could, I wasn't in that much... Um, pain I found it quite easy and they kept saying remember to let us know a little bit before you think you want the epidural just because mm-hmm. we need to obviously get the anaesthetist and if they're busy, um, busy or... it yeah. could be just so you know it could be max half an hour so we don't want you to be in like agony and then yeah. you think you can get it straight away yeah um but so basically the contractions got quite close together but I wasn't really dilating mm-hmm. so I, I, all day I stayed at two centimeters okay all day all day okay. and they didn't really know why basically the induction hadn't really worked okay. it sort of triggered contractions i was having contractions but i wasn't dilating okay um and professor phil said let's just see how the day progresses he came in every hour or so yeah he did a little ultrasound and would check like how dilated baby's i was happy, check dilation, baby's happy yeah. um and it was quite jolly to be honest we had a really lovely midwife who was in and out all the time and then it started to get a bit painful, probably around kind of lunchtime, middle mm-hmm. midday one. And I was like, okay, I think I want the epidural mm-hmm. now. Or within the next, I said to them within the next hour, I think I'll need the epidurals. Yeah. They came in 
and that was quite scary to be honest because um they're like you have to remain very still because we're putting something into your spine Mm -hmm. and that she was one of my sisters my mum had a problem with her epidural right where it caused a temporary paralysis I mean it was fine yeah um but I remember I've always had that in my head of like although I know I really want one like it can it's something there are risks that was probably the bit I was most nervous about yeah um, they came and did that and it was actually completely fine and it was quite quick okay um, and then they gave me a thing that I could top it up myself oh like a little button a little button yeah. and then it sort of tells you I think it, it set an alarm or flashed a colour or something when I was sort of due when I should top it up if I wanted to stay at a certain, at, at a certain level. level but okay. I could also top it up because it won't let you do too much if that makes sense yeah um, and then because I'd had that I was totally again we were then really calm again comfortable just comfortable um, kind of pottering. I could still walk a little bit because it okay. was a, it wasn't so strong. Um, and then towards the end of the day, Professor Phil said, "Look, you really aren't dilating. Um, kind of at this point, let's talk about the different options. Um, one of the options is we just carry on waiting and yeah. we just see how everything progresses, and we hope that you get more dilated, and that is totally fine. You've got the epidural. There's no sort of danger." Um, or we kind of say, put a time on it and say, if you're not dilated by then, you'd rather have a C-section. Right. And that's up to you. And I had said, I'd rather wait. I don't want to, not because I was particularly anti-C-sections, just because I thought, I wasn't really prepared for one and I thought there's no real need to now. Sure. So I said, let's wait till it's been exactly 12 hours, which he actually agreed with. He said, let's wait till 7 p.m., mm-hmm. which will be about 12 hours since we sort of really kicked everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, and is was that purely um, your your decision the twelve hours or is there any medical reason for twelve hours or so that I was think, just your decision? Um, he felt like it's not great to be having lots of contractions with you not dilating because mm. basically nothing's kind of progressing. The baby's sure. not sort of coming out. There's no sort of if I had kept even if I was slowly getting further along in terms of dilation then even if it was taking ages he'd feel comfortable I think he had said the 12 hours if you're still at two sure you've not progressed there's there's your body showing no signs of sure we've given long enough yeah let's not progressing now I don't think it's gonna he sort of felt like after 12 hours it's not gonna progress so we're just putting you and the baby in unnecessary an unnecessarily kind of long 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 labor okay so 12 hours yes so then at 12 hours he said um no before that he said look I really think we should probably consider you're really not dilating yeah and I'm a bit worried about this and he said but I let's just see so then we waited another round and basically he came in and there was a look of quite kind of um he was quite serious Mm. and he said okay I'm really sorry Celeste but we are gonna have to go right now Mm. I was like oh okay um why he said the cord is really tight around the baby's neck Mm. but it's totally fine um, so we're going to go in now for the C-section. Um, and I guess he did ask me because he was like, are you okay with that? But he didn't really ask me because, it I was mean, necessary. it was an emergency. And I was like, okay. And I was still quite calm, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and he said, okay, John, you come straight with me. Um, they had to go and get into their scrubs. And then they kind of wheeled me very quickly. And so from the moment he said, we've got to go. Right. Libby was out within 10 minutes. Look. Louis was out. Out. I mean, it was remarkable. And like, uh, this is the thing I always think. Professor Ville wasn't even in his scrubs yet. He was still in his suit. Wow. He rushed with John. This was probably the least nice part of the whole day. Sure. Because I was not with John at this point. Yeah. 
and um although the midwives we'd been with all day spoke English a lot of the like other nurses like the anesthetist nurse didn't speak English okay so then suddenly I was being wheeled in with a lot of French going on going on around me and I didn't really know yeah um but I didn't actually I think more looking back I remember I think it was scary at the moment I remember thinking like okay he's gonna get Louis out it's no problem and that's the value of having that trusted voice that you know there was no doubt in my mind that it was the right thing to do right I just thought Professor Veal's amazing and I love him yeah and I really trust him and he would have given me other options exactly. you, you trust him to give you options and so when he came in to say you know actually it's go time now exactly. you implicitly trust him exactly right um and uh so we went in and, and that's into a into an room. operating yeah. room um the bit that I hated the most of the whole labor that I thought was so undignified is they basically I was naked on mm. the thing and they have to get you from your bed to the operating table mm. but because I'd have the ep- had the epidural I was totally immobile right. they kind of shove a board underneath you and kind of roll you Ooh. onto this bed <laughs> and you know and you're like I'm quite big oh. I'm pregnant and naked there's a lot of people around oh, gosh, and it yeah. wasn't painful at all it was more just like gosh I feel it, very undignified, yeah. undignified oh gosh yeah, yeah. I um, suppose you don't think about that there's no, a practicality I can't move that's the image I that stays with me actually is that oh gosh yeah okay um and then it's all quite quick and they basically the anaesthetists come back in and they basically just top up the epidural right the thing I didn't know about a c-section is they want you to feel it right but it's not painful right so they do this is this was a slightly strange bit because they're basically asking you they use an ice cube and they put it on different parts of your body okay and they're basically saying does that feel cold to you can you feel that they want you to feel that something's on you but thought that it's freezing cold okay um and then they explain that it's going to feel like I'm going to feel some pulling and I'm going to I'm going to know that they're cutting right. me open and taking the baby out but it shouldn't be painful and right. if at any point it is they'll top up Yeah. and I found that quite scary because I felt like they were relying on me to say right. what I could, could feel your judgement is exactly. involved and rather than them just dealing with it for you exactly mm. your judge they have to you know because for everyone it's different so they would add a little bit and they'd say can you feel this can you feel that right okay Um. and then they brought John back in once I was kind of ready yeah. and they'd put the sheet out they brought John back in and then Professor Veal came in and he was really cheery and chatting the whole time and Louis came out really quickly. Like, mm. this whole thing, it sounds like it was really long, but it was only ten minutes since we decided to go in. Wow. And, and, then, and he was the one <clears throat> who did the C-section? Yeah, okay. yeah. so he was there. And he When when they got Louis out, they basically came... Um, they gave Louis, like, it to be to give him a kiss. But then they took him off with okay. John, and they said to John, um, I think it's probably better if you come with us, but you can, if you'd prefer to stay with Celeste, you can. And John was like, it's up to you. And I said, no, no, you go. Be with the baby. Be with the baby. And that was quite hard because I wasn't really expecting that. Yeah. And in all of my preparation with the midwife, they had all said the immediate skin to skin after birth was really important. Right. So I was a little bit like... Jarred. Yeah, I just was a bit out of it and was kind of like, I didn't really know um, what was going on. And then actually this, the bit, because we had come out really quickly, I kind of assumed that the next bit would also be really quick but actually them sort of sewing me back up and checking everything okay took probably like 45 minutes did it okay um i mean so i only sort of desperate to see your yes, baby and it was free they, i i don't know why they keep it freezing cold but it was 
freezing like I was shivering and I was shivering so much that um, I was moving too much so they give you this slightly weird sort of inflated heated blanket Mm -hmm. that they put on top of you Um, and it was very nice like the midwife who'd been with us before she was kind of holding my head because I was quite upset because I was like yeah firstly you can really feel what's going on like it's not painful but I could feel that they were kind of rummaging around inside me which didn't feel great no of course um and then that was all fine and then I was wheeled to a recovery room so they kind of they were talking me through what the professor was like okay now I'm doing this now I'm doing that um uh, and then they wheeled me to a recovery room and I was in this recovery room on my own and I asked if I could see Louis and John and they said no we're not allowed to bring Louis into this room and I was like okay um, and then the midwife came to me to get some colostrum for Louis. Okay. And I said to, she'd been with the lady that had been with us all day. And I said, oh, please, can you, is there any way I can be with John and Louis? And she said, I'll, let me go and kind of work it out. Let me see yeah. if I can. And so then maybe an hour later, she did manage to get them in. Gosh, so it really long, actually. Yeah, it was really long. Yeah. Um, I mean, one really lovely thing about it was that John got nearly two hours of skin to skin which I'm really pleased about because I think it is probably harder for the dad to bond straight away so that is a sort of positive of maybe yeah silver lining lining. you wanted to be yeah that was a shame but to be honest as soon as they came in I felt like then I was happy yeah it was fine yeah okay so Um, then they were brought back they were brought back in um you met Louis I met Louis uh they had dressed him he was in his clothes um, and John was there, and then it was fine. Um, and they let him be with me for about half an hour, mm-hmm. and then um, and it was quite nice. Like we Facetimed my mum, and mm-hmm. it all felt quite calm there. And Louis was just asleep, and it was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took uh, John and Louis on down to the sort of the room we'll be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I wasn't allowed to leave the recovery room until I had feeling back in my leg. So I really remember every two minutes saying to the nurse, am I moving my leg yet? She was like, oh no, sorry. And how long did it take for all that to come back? Actually quicker than I thought. Definitely within an hour I was, I mean, I was able to lift my leg and things. And I remember being so thirsty Mm. and so hungry because once you have the epidural, you can't eat right so you can have liquids yeah so they get they they gave me like some energy drinks and things but I remember being so thirsty and they wouldn't let me eat or drink yet right um and then they took me down to our sort of room in the kind of um, maternity ward I guess then um and that was all quite nice because there was a tray of food waiting for me oh, and it felt kind of cozy like John we can had a bed in we here could settle now. in here now um and that first night we were all just tired and Louis, everyone was just asleep. Louis was just asleep. And the midwives come in all the time to check. Yeah. Um, and they let me have a shower. The midwife helped me have a shower, which yeah. was nice. And I think because I still had a lot of pain medication, yeah. I didn't kind of realise that I had just had a C-section really until sort of the next morning when I tried to get up to go to the loo. And I was like, oh, I kind of forgot. Like right. I had a catheter and I couldn't just get up to go to the loo. Right, okay. Um, but then they take the catheter out, I think the next day, the next morning, because this was all now at the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of ask you a lot, like, do you have the sensation to go to the loo? Can you go to the loo? And things like that. And that was really hard because when you've just had a C-section, trying to, in that 
sitting position on the loo yeah. is like absolute agony. Is it? Okay. And also, obviously, the midwives can help you, but I'd all, you know, you've had so much, like, you've been so exposed. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I just, I want to go to the loo on my own. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. want someone, like, sitting. Just a bit of privacy just a bit and a of bit privacy. of privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I went to the loo for the first time, it was then okay because I knew it was a bit, it was painful, but like, Nothing. it was fine. Okay. I yeah. could sort of manage. Okay. Um, and then I look back on those first few days in the hospital, it's quite kind of cozy and sweet. Like, yeah. I don't know, it was like we were in this little bubble. John was just there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and like John, because the hospital's quite near our apartment, John would pop back in the shower and kind of get stuff if I needed it from home. Yeah. And get nicer food because the hospital food was very dodgy. <laughs> like one day I just had a plate of cabbage. What? Like, oh, yummy. I'm just one of the major surgery. The first two days they had some whole thing of like you had to eat certain foods if you just had a C section. Okay. I'm not sure why actually, no. but it was very dodgy. But anyway, so John was popping back to get getting food. Getting you treats. Yeah, nice getting me treats. Good. Um, and what was, what was Louis like? I mean, how was. It was so surreal. Like, he's just in this little thing next to you the little kind of plastic bassinet thing just kind of like asleep basically yeah um and then if he if he woke up we would try and feed and I mean my feeding journey wasn't great but in the first few days in the hospital Louis was kind of fine okay they would kind of help me get um, him latched on get him latched on okay um and because I couldn't sort of get up I couldn't get him up myself because of the c-section like if John had popped home to get something I would ring the bell. And they would help you. And they would help me. And so, yeah, so what does, um, what do those initial, you know, few days, few weeks of recovery mm. look like after a C-section? Yeah. What are you actually, clearly it's major surgery, mm. what, what are you not meant to do, what can you do, what yeah. can't you do for those first? Um, the hardest thing was actually sitting up, mm. because you can't, um, you know, you have to roll to your side to sit up. Okay. And... I mean, I found it really hard to walk. Uh-huh. Um, I was very hunched over. Uh-huh. Um, every step, you're like, okay, one tiny step. Wow. Um, like, it really felt like I was recovering. From, yeah. Which I know I was, but, yeah. um, you know, I really felt like I was recovering from a major operation. Yeah. Um, so they um, check your sort of wound a lot. They came to check it a lot. I had stitches. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it would often it would like if I had slightly sat up too much, it would slightly pop open and bleed a bit. Mm-hmm. And they'd come back and they'd check it. Um, and were you taking pain medication yes. throughout this? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they kind of each day they they kind of um, decrease what pain medication you're on, just so that you're not like reliant. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're not adamant. Also, I think you can't be on. I also think they don't want to discharge you with like if you're on like really heavy really heavy stuff Mm -hmm. so they kind of gave me a very helpful kind of table of what each day is going to be and a little pot of all the medication okay and it was in sort of days and they said take this and then there was a sort of extra stuff if you're really in pain yeah take another one of these yeah um and actually I remember after the first day I was like no I'm going to be strong and not take that and I tried to kind of wean myself off too quickly Ah. and then I was in a lot of pain right and was like okay and they were like no there's there's no benefit in not following there doesn't matter you know there's no benefit in trying to come off certain things quicker sure you don't need to be you don't need to be there's no she was like there's no reason why you should do that Uh, and they came in a few times a day and did a very painful thing where they'd push on your stomach to try and get stuff out 
Wow, okay. Which, like... On your on So your just, scar, no, because the scar is very low. Right. So more on your kind of lower tummy. Right. Low abdomen, they really push. Is that to check that? Because obviously you had mm. started almost mm. labour, you know, in a normal, mm. like... Yeah. You know, vaginal birth yeah. way is so is is that kind of checking blood loss? Yes, yeah, so I think it's just checking that everything that should come out has or has okay. and what is if they push what is still coming out. Okay, so they can kind of gauge it because I never had very very heavy bleeding. Yeah, um, so that was very painful. Yeah, and just when they look at the check the scar because they press on it a lot. Yeah, it's quite painful. Goodness, and so when did you start feeling more kind of yourself? Mm. More I'm back in the room. Yeah. I can do the physical things that I need to do. Not for a few weeks, to be yeah. honest. If not the the things like being able to do things on my own. It took. I mean, by the time I went home, I was comfortable that I could go to the loo mm-hmm. on my own, and it was okay. Mm-hmm. So we were discharged. On the Sunday, so I had Louis on Wednesday, and we were discharged mm-hmm. on the Sunday. Because um, I think actually some hospitals keep C-section patients in for a whole week, mm. but luckily my hospital, um, they were happy for, if everything was fine. They were happy to let you go, which mm. was nice because my mum was had come and she was waiting oh. at home. Um, so she had like done a food shop and made it all nice. Oh, lovely! So you had some extra support yeah. when you got back. Exactly. Oh, lovely. Um, so it took me a long time, to be honest, to feel at all mobile yeah. um, and normal and sort of just walking was really tough. Yeah. Um, but by the time I, so maybe by the time I was a week post-C-section, I was able to walk around. Yeah. Um, and it was really then bending over that was really hard. Right. Which was hard with Louis because obviously getting him up. I mean, they say that the weight of your baby is fine, mm. but I found, like, bending over into his Moses basket... Must be hard. Yeah, or, like, picking something up yeah. off the floor. Clothes, nappies. Clothes, like, nappies, anything around the house, dishwasher, yeah. anything. So did you, your mum stay with you to kind of help with all that practical yes. stuff? And she actually did the nights with me for that first week. Wonderful. Um, and actually for two days she had him in her room um, so that when I when I wasn't feeding yeah. even if he was awake and not settled I could get some sleep mm. um, which was amazing yeah dream mummy. yeah it was amazing and talking of feeding mm. um, how how did that go clearly you mm. know having a c-section you're going through a huge mm. amount and, and yet there's this little baba mm. who wants you constantly all yeah. the time had you you know wanted to breastfeed how did it go yeah. what happened in in um, the feeding journey i had always wanted to breastfeed and okay. i had just assumed because it's very natural that it would be really easy right like it's just natural the baby just latches on what could be complicated about it and in hospital it was sort of okay mm-hmm. he was kind of latching on um they were a bit worried about his weight his mm-hmm. weight he'd like dropped too much weight um mm-hmm too quick like too much of the he'd lost too much weight too quickly basically wasn't putting it back on mm-hmm. but not enough that they made, made us stay in yeah and they said look i think you're just getting it maybe your milk hasn't properly come in yet mm-hmm. like well let's just see it takes it a few days doesn't exactly. it exactly mm-hmm. um so they were happy to discharge us but they were like you should watch i mean we'll make a note for your midwife when they come and visit you but just yeah. so you know track it track it um and when when the midwife came the weight wasn't a real problem but it was like a bit of a problem. Okay. So I think she came to us um, maybe after f- five days, maybe the day after we came out of hospital, maybe she came on the Monday. Um, 
And, you know, she was doing things like when Louis was on me, she would pull him away and there was no milk there. Right. And she was like, maybe your milk hasn't properly come in. I said, it must come in a little bit because he is, he's obviously getting something because right. he's not crying all the time. Right. But, like, maybe he's not getting enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so the midwife said, oh, why don't you start pumping to sort of increase your supply? Mm-hmm. And I think now I look back and I think maybe the reason it didn't work is because my heart wasn't really in it. Because right. I think I had found... I was in so much pain from the C-section. I found yeah. every feeding position. There are lots of feeding positions that are comfortable and yeah. safe with a C-section. But I found that my whole body felt pa- painful. I felt yeah. so uncomfortable that I could never get in a good position. Yeah. Um, and, and they're like, trying to feed. I mean, how often? Yeah, Very regularly. Exactly. You're trying to recover. You're yeah. trying to process you're trying to pump right. after each feed. And it just felt like a lot. Overwhelming. It just felt overwhelming. Um, and I was originally a bit sad like initially I was like oh, this isn't really this is so frustrating I'm so worried Louis's now really small he was right. you know he was an average size baby but now he's losing weight right I felt under a lot of pressure mm. about like I don't know how to get this better this is just really hard um, and then we actually had a maternity nurse come and live with us for a few weeks okay um, and she came after a week so after my mum was there for a week and then she arrived. Okay. Um, and she was amazing because she's just an expert in all things baby and feeding. Amazing, yeah. So she just really helped me. Um, firstly, she helped me feel okay with the fact that if we need to top up with formula, That's it doesn't fine. matter. So what we did yeah. is actually she said, look, you're really exhausted. You look, to be honest, dreadful. Oh, you're God. not sleeping. Yeah. Like you're trying to recover from operation. You're up yeah. every half an hour trying to pump and feed. Yeah. You need to have some rest because yeah. it's not going to... If you're not feeling good yeah. and happy and healthy then the baby's not going to be exactly. happy and healthy yeah. and she said things like your milk supply if you're really tired obviously you, everyone's really tired after they have a baby yeah. but if you're really not getting any sleep and your body's not recovering from the c-section your milk supply is never gonna increase be in and be in a good place right. so she said let's get some formula i'm gonna feed him i'm gonna do the feeds tonight mm-hmm. i pumped enough so one of the feeds could be breast milk and the other mm. will be formula so then I get basically on a full night's sleep mm, amazing. Um, amazing which was amazing yeah. and then from then we sort of basically we did a hybrid of feeding yeah. breastfeeding and formula um, so we did I think we did now got it he's only three months but it feels so long ago basically yeah. <laughs> for the first kind of six weeks we basically did his first and last feed of the day was formula okay to make sure that he had enough to kind of if he needed if he was able to sleep longer stretches we could let him because we knew he'd had enough food yeah and then I would try breastfeeding but I think maybe because my heart wasn't in it maybe because we'd introduced the bottle Louis then wasn't really feeding from me mm. so he was feeding drinking my breast milk then from bottles so yeah. I was only pumping yeah and formula which was quite grim pumping is a totally <sighs> different experience isn't it well, I think there is something quite cosy and bonding about feeding your baby, breastfeeding your baby. Like, yeah. you feel very connected. Whereas for me, the pumping, I mean, I felt good about it because I knew Louis was getting yeah. the good breast milk. Yeah. But aside from that, you feel, to be honest, I felt like a cow. I was attached mm. to this machine that is really noisy mm. <laughs> and it's very undignified. Mm. You've got these things attached to your boobs. Yeah. It just doesn't feel... Humane. Humane. It yeah. feels quite grim. Yeah. Um, and you're having to do it a lot a lot I had to do it a lot and also 
you know, breastfeeding, you'd happily do around other people, like you'd sit yeah. if people were over for tea or with your family, whereas, I mean, technically I could have pumped, obviously, but for me, I didn't want to sit in the living room with everyone else. Attached to a machine no. on your boobs. No, I mean, I got a hands-free one, which was life-changing, oh, yeah. so I could watch TV. Oh, that's great, at And, least. like, we all read my book Drink a cup or, of tea or something. Lots of messages on my phone or whatever, which was life-changing. Okay. Um, so then after six or seven weeks so at the four week sort of month checkup Louis was his weight was fine but it wasn't sort of great Mm -hmm. so the doctor had said let's just keep an eye on it and I think maybe you should change one of more of the feeds to formula Mm -hmm. Um, and then by six weeks his weight was like not a big problem but not where you want where we wanted it to be and so the doctor said look if you really want to carry on with breastfeeding I'm totally supportive of that but I think you should do all feeds apart from one you should try and basically do mostly formula okay. and then just do some... And then, then if your milk supply comes up and it becomes more nutritious and whatever, then you could then switch fine. back to it. Yeah. But to be honest, because I was exclusively pumping at this point, yeah. I kind of felt like I'm going to keep giving it to him once or twice a day. Yeah. But then the rest can be formula. Yeah. So then I stopped breastfeeding in about seven weeks, I okay. think. And I thought I would feel more complicated about it, but to be honest, I just felt like, maybe very selfishly, a huge relief. I don't think it's selfish at all. I think it completely yeah. takes it out of you. I mean, yeah. if you, you've gone through a huge amount with yeah. the C-section. You've got a huge mm-hmm. amount on the f- feeding journey. I mean, of course. I was just so relieved, and Louis' weight immediately went up. He started sleeping okay. better. Wonderful. You know, and as the doctor said after, that for some reason your milk wasn't sort of nutritious enough for him to feel sort of satisfied sure so that was a big game changer for us and again you had it sounds like anyway you had Mm. a really sort of trusting team Mm. around you and it really Mm. makes you realize it kind of takes a village you know you had clearly john there Mm. your mum, the nurse the doctors you saw maybe you saw a pediatrician as well midwives were coming it really makes you realize Mm. there is a whole team oh yeah that you need around you to help you make these decisions Mm. and navigate it because obviously you've been through a huge amount and and you know you need the support Mm. but also there's a lot of um medical knowledge around Mm. feeding that can be really helpful to you Mm. as well in the process and I think just having the reassurance that like I could see a big difference in Louis yeah I mean that's what everyone had been telling me that like if he's well fed whether it's breast milk or formula he'll be a happy healthy baby that's all you need that's all you need and when I saw that in him that he was kind of sleeping better he seemed a lot calmer I was like this is to be honest the evidence yeah this is all I needed to see so I reassure you to reassure me I didn't then really look back I haven't yeah. I mean I suppose occasionally I see someone breastfeeding a baby and I'm like that is quite sweet we didn't Louie and I didn't have that sure. journey experience together sure. but overall I just feel like he's calm happy healthy and I couldn't ask for anything That's more all you could want exactly. in your beautiful new boy exactly um, so um, just I mean to kind of finish off and thank you for talking this about all of this because I mean I'm learning a huge amount just talking to you as well it's wonderful um now you know you're at three months you said yes three months what you know what is what is a day like now you know um how is your beautiful boy um what do you get up to in a day and you know how how are you feeling more yourself again now you're still in early days you know in the fourth trimester how how are you today (laughs) I mean our life has really calmed down I feel like Mm -hmm. you know I know everyone says the three months is quite a big 
turning point, but I really do feel like in the last week or so, um, we've kind of hit more of a a groove, mm-hmm. the two of us. I mean, the three of us, but day to day, it's me and Louis, because mm-hmm. my husband's at work. Uh, we, uh, because of the formula, Louis's very regular with his feeding. Mm-hmm. So Louis has feeds every four hours, mm-hmm. and at the moment he's sleeping amazingly in the night so what does that mean are you getting a full night so Louis goes to sleep at 8 30 and wakes up at (gasps) 7 that's magical (laughs) but I'm almost I don't really like talking about it because I feel like I don't want to jinx it (laughs) so for now yeah we get a good night's sleep um and um I'm definitely more schedule orientated than I ever thought I would be I thought I'd be much more like sleep wherever right it doesn't matter when your feed is as long as you're kind of happy and fed but our schedule is what gets me through the day it enables me to make plans that I know will work out like I know that if I meet someone for lunch at this time Louis will be napping then and he'll sleep in his push chair um so I've kind of surprised myself I guess with how focused I am or we've got quite a rigid schedule and it gives you the wins it means then you're not it does you're not struggling through the day yeah and it means I can kind of I know that I have this time where we'll have a lovely walk together and look forward to it yeah so we do one big nap at home each day well we try we're not so good at napping at him (laughs) and we do one nap big nap out and about and then we have a little kind of cat nap just before bath time and we typically do that out and about lovely um and we're kind of you know, we're, we're in a more of a groove. Yeah. Um, sometimes it feels like, wow, it's a lot. Yeah. And there's always something to worry about. The amount of messages I send to other mum friends or my mum saying, yeah. I noticed this on Louis' tummy, face, whatever. Help, help. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, it's gone now. There's obviously like a tiny <laughs> red mark. Or Everything's okay. Yeah. And I of course like, you worry. You're seeing everything, everything for the first time. Like, it's such a steep learning curve. Um, so we're in a groove um, and Louis seems happy and he's become a lot kind of smilier and jollier in the last few weeks which is so rewarding yeah Um, they start giving back more don't they and interacting laughing and the smiling makes such a huge difference because you feel like oh he's happy yeah no he's happy and that's all that matters and that you're feeling well and and recovered now are you feeling well in yourself I mean I still feel quite different right um physically and it's sort of taking longer than I had thought and hoped mm. um, but I'm trying to be very kind to myself I realised yes. I grew a human I then had a c-section I've yes. then been trying to feed and sleep deprived and having a, and, and a newborn and all of the things yeah. um, but I'm finally kind of like being able to properly exercise again and yeah. I'm loving running you're and running I, already yes. okay, wow. and I think the feeling of freedom on a run yeah. is like just so amazing yeah like being able to go out on your own yeah for a run is so like what how do you do this does he stay uh, does louis stay with john or? yes with john or my mother-in-law sometimes helps we have lovely. a bit of childcare in the day sometimes so he stays with her lovely and i just pop out for a 20 minute run and i feel like a transformed person just oh, having some time to yourself and yeah. i think because i didn't run in pregnancy i used to run a lot i didn't run in pregnancy even though actually the doctor said i could right i just never felt good to me yeah the feeling of running now is like i've never appreciated it oh more. wow so yeah. gosh you might even get yes. me into running it thank you yes. it sounds wonderful yeah and it's quick <laughs> you know you just pop out just 
clearly ahead as well. Yeah. And one final thing before we have to say goodbye, sadly. Um, what what if anything was a surprise for you during this whole experience, this kind of pregnancy, birth, newborn experience? Is there anything that you sort of wish you had known in advance or you kind of went, why did no one tell me this? Or I think I thought that everything would feel very natural because your body as a woman is kind of meant to have babies Mm. and bring up children. I thought the pregnancy, the newborn, the feeding, all of that would be very instinctive and I would just know what to do and it would come easily and I didn't find that. Mm. didn't find pregnancy, the kind of glowing, lovely experience. Picture perfect. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I found I didn't know what to do with Louis when he was a newborn. It didn't. I didn't have the instinct to know yeah. to do this. Obviously, the feeling that we spoke about wasn't... It, it didn't come naturally to me. I didn't find it easy. Yeah. So I think that was the thing that really surprised me, that actually it doesn't necessarily come straight away, come yeah. naturally, and that's actually okay, and it can take a while till you feel that you know what you're doing. I think that's a wonderful <laughs> note to end on because I think there's a lot of pressure we put on ourselves that it should be this mm. picture-perfect natural process, and actually it is a really steep learning mm. curve for all of us and it's different for everyone different for everyone yeah Yeah. well Celeste thank you so much for talking to us about your story and little Louis and all the best and all the love for you and Louis and John so much this has been so nice to relive it all that's the end of this episode take care and see you next time